Hi, good morning and welcome to the Fashion Clinic, another podcast episode. We're so excited to have Simon Berkowitz here with us today. Um, I'm going to be interviewing him with my Fashion Clinic partner, Margot Labshapwi here. And uh, we're going to have lots of questions about mental wellness and how we can build that into our lives and into the fashion industry as a whole. And so welcome, Simon. Thank you so much for being here. We'd love to start with, how are you? How are you coping with everything that's going on in the world at the moment? Well, uh, thank you for having me. Firstly, I'm really, really pleased to be here with you. I mean, I'm slightly surprised to be on a fashion podcast. It's not my <laughs> strong suit, so to speak, but very, very pleased to be with you to talk about this. I mean, this whole question of uh, mental fitness and how we get ourselves into a good state, I, I just love exploring it. For myself, um, it's a challenging time. You know, there's no two ways about it. I mean, the, just the, 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 the isolation side of things on its own, you know, uh, the way my social network is down to one person, two people, three people. I mean, that's a challenge. We're social creatures, humans. So, you know, it's, it's challenging. And at the same time, one of the things I'm very grateful for is being able to actually find ways to turn this into something where I can grow, you know, and then I don't feel quite so helpless. That's great. Yeah, I think for all of us, we are all having to deal with um, having a, sm a smaller social circle than we were ever, ever used to or, or planned to have. And um, I know you mentioned it, you didn't expect to be on a fashion podcast. One of the reasons we originally got in touch with you and were interested was because you were a guest speaker at London College of Fashion talking about mental fitness, which everyone was just desperate to hear what you had to say because it's needed now more than ever. Um, maybe you could share with us a little bit about your background and what brought you to LCF and, and what your professional interests are. Yeah, so my original first thing I trained in was economics and the career path that I was seeing for myself, I just, I, I couldn't do it. As I was doing that, I started exploring massage and other alternative health sort of approaches and found that that's really where my culture, craniotherapy, lots of other modalities. And what I really came down to is that it doesn't matter what modality you use. It's really all about how we get in touch with our creative spark. And that creative spark and how we nurture it, how we connect to it, how we embody it, how we bring it into the world. It's almost like the best antidote for the stresses around us. And so that's really the frame that I have these days is how can I get myself into the best state I can to actually get access to my best ideas, get access to my best motivation and inspiration. And then if I can, share that with other people in some way. So that, that's, that's really where I'm at. And uh, I came to LCF through uh, just the desire that they had to explore more well-being. And uh, so, so that's, that's really how the offering got. It certainly wasn't for my sartorial skill. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm, I, well, we don't know about that. We'll have to hang out another time in person. <laughs> um, that's fantastic, though. I think, like, for so many people, especially creatives, um, feeling a bit down during this time can be especially disappointing when you do lose touch a bit with your creative spark or I've heard from friends losing touch a little bit with your inspiration. So it's amazing to kind of make that link between 
mental wellness and feeling well enough to be inspired and to create the things you want to create. I think when you spoke to us last time, you mentioned you'd studied um, dreams and some acupuncture. Is oh, that yes. right? Um, what's your favorite out of all the different things that you've looked at? Uh, well, this, this place where that creative spark meets the world is really my favorite place. And so when we're talking about dream work, there are lots and lots of different methodologies. The one that I trained in is based, the, the kind of structure of it is based around something called Kashmir Shaivism. And it's a very, very beautiful way of seeing this, way of bringing that spark into the world. And it, it finds a way to bring those difficult times, you know, when maybe I feel shut down or down or overwhelmed, how to bring those into the creative process rather than seeing them as just something to be got through, right? And that's, that's really the most beautiful part. Now, the, the dream work itself is about how to get in touch with that moment where you have that aha you know because right. when you have that aha moment everything changes right um I, i'm sure you've experienced this but when you've had a breakthrough mm. and suddenly your body is filled with energy your mind is clear you can see the way forward all these things just arrive in that moment and the dreamworks specialities or at least this method is how to get to know that moment and so my real interest has been how can I actually make that more accessible, make it more conscious? How can I help people to manage those difficult moments so that they get more access to it? Wow, that sounds fantastic. That sounds great. And it's very interesting what you say about kind of connecting with that frustration and that writer's block and uh, that creative block and just using that as part of your process. What, what way do you advise people to see their creative block and, and incorporate and accept it as part of the creative process. Do you have any advice for us? Um, well, yes. I mean, and this is, you know, this is just, just what I've discovered and what I find works for people. There are other methodologies. One, one of the big problems is that if we don't see that the, if we don't actually recognize that this difficult state we're experiencing is a state, if we don't actually recognize it as that and think it is, who we are, then we have trouble. Mm. If, I, if I have a rejection, you know, it could be a rejection in terms of a friendship or at work or a job or anything like this. If I take it personally and take it to mean something about who I am, then I'm kind of stuck. Mm. And this is true for any of these challenging states. If I actually identify with them and say, Simon, this person who has failed at this, that's who I am, that's who I'm stuck with being. Then, then nothing really moves. But if I'm able to actually experience the state of it, the felt experience of it in my body and in my mind and in my thoughts, then I get a chance to get a little bit of distance on it and then maybe make a different choice, yeah, a different choice as to who I am and to, to what I actually do. So that, that's the key for me is being able to be with these difficult obstacles as we resist how we feel. If I don't acknowledge that I'm actually feeling stressed, then I can't actually do anything about it if I'm feeling down. The minute we acknowledge it, then we get a chance to actually make one of these different choices. Taking responsibilities for how we feel. Ta yes, it is, it is. Taking responsibility for how we feel, owning that, and also not 
going the other way and saying, this is all that I am. Because every, every time that we get caught up into that sort of stuck place, I, I don't know if it's the same for you, but this is what I tend to see. The world becomes very small. Who we think we are becomes very small. We, we lose touch with that sense of possibility about a better future, about solutions and all this sort of thing. It's, 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 it's really the key is how, how can we allow a bit of space in there so that something can move again? Makes sense, yeah. To, to, um, it's a skill, isn't it, that for all of us to learn to observe our thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, it's, it's also, if I'm feeling anxious, it's particularly challenging. <laughs> to yeah. actually get the distance on it <laughs> yeah because they start to place <laughs> and then you know how am I going to get out of that and you know it's I suppose in a way it's can I be kind to myself in those difficult places mm. yeah yeah it's a that's a probably a lifelong learning for all of us to remember how to be kind to ourselves and and to keep keep that distance from our emotions and not uh join forces <laughs> um and if I could ask you another question, the work about dreams is amazing. Um, do you analyze dreams as well? No. no. A lot of methods do. Okay, so, so what a lot of methods do, they take the way the dream appears as being sort of fixed. A lot of methods do this. And that, in, in, in essence, there are three types of interpretation. One is literal. I see a friend I haven't seen for years in the dream, it means something about them. Mm -hmm. That's the literal sense. Uh, a sort of the next step of interpretation is that that dream symbolizes something, right? So there's a particular kind of link between that person I've seen and some other aspect of my life. In the method that I work with, there is that element of that interpretation possible, but we're looking for it to arrive with us rather than to make it as an analytical thought process led question it's a, it's a different direction i don't know if i've, if I've explained that share that in a clear way mm. but what it means is that the actual dream is not fixed in the same way that we think it is so the interpretation is not fixed in the way that we think it is through the dream and when i work with a dream what will happen is that the dream will change so okay. the person will look to where the dream was in their mind and maybe the characters changed or the attitude of the people changed or the sky is now daytime or it's completely changed. I've had people very frequently, the whole scene will change when they look back to the dream. And so if you think of the dream as being a communication from some bigger part of ourselves, from this creative side, then that metaphor that the dream is representing when it changes the metaphor changes. And so that story that we're holding, that way of seeing things that we're holding on that slightly deeper level has also changed. So um, wow. it's, a very, it's, a very, it's a very lovely way to yeah. work. So would another way of saying that be that part of your work is finding the learnings from the dreams? It could, yes, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, yes. <laughs> in the in the sense that it's always coming back to the same thing how do i experience more consciously my creative self how do i actually bring that into the world more fully 
And so that's the purpose for me of this method of dream work is how, how can I use my dream to get more access to that? It's not the only way, right? There are lots of ways of working with dreams, but this is just the one which I, has really grabbed me. Yeah. yeah, that sounds fantastic. I'm sure Margot and I would both love to try it sometime. Um, I would love to, yes. It sounds yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yes. maybe we'll have to book in. Would you, would, yeah, could sure. we both come at the same time or we have to go one by one? The thing is, I mean, it's, this is slightly out, out of the mainstream, but what's, what's so fascinating about this, right, is if you think of a dream, right, you can actually kind of enter the dream. So I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you've woken up in the morning. Let's pick a particularly nice memory, right? We don't, don't need to pick. There, there are ways of working with difficult dreams. Right? It's fine. But for now, you know, you've woken up from this wonderful dream and, ah, and you know, you're in that half state, you can kind of re-enter it. Do you, do you, have you had that experience? Yeah? Yeah, and almost like, is that what lucid dreaming can... is like? Uh, lucid dreaming is, is slightly different from what I'm talking about here, okay. because lucid dreaming is when you go to sleep at night and you become aware that you're dreaming whilst you're dreaming, mm, right? Okay. And then you can try and do stuff in it. Mm -hmm. right? So that's, that's another wonderful, whole different method. The angle I was coming at was, which I'm not an expert in, by the way, I can do a bit, but I, it's not my area of expertise. This one is really, when you get it, have that dream like that, the, the point I was trying to get to is that this is, you can sort of feel it, can't you, right? You can feel the memory of the dream. You can feel it in your body. You can feel all the qualities with it. And this is why we've chosen a, particularly nice memory, hopefully, um, because you want to be able to do that. Now think about it. That's actually a way to train your capacity to be embodied in this waking life. That same facility is part of how you uh, visualize creatively, you know, so you can actually bring that sort of thing. In. So that, that's really, really kind of one of the things which I get very, very excited wow wow that's really insightful thanks for sharing i think uh we're gonna we're gonna be taking a new uh a new approach when we wake up in the morning <laughs> we'll, all be, we'll all be trying that well it's uh, very accessible and free just you know yeah. pick a nice dream or the nice part <laughs> to focus on Maybe that would be another helpful way of exploring gratitude and and um, yeah, trying to visualize joy and and, and focus on the positive aspects of uh, of our lives. Mm. It it can be. I mean, the, the thing is, if you have that to work off of, it's already there. Mm. You know, and that's that's a very beautiful thing. I mean, there's there's there is the whole sort of positive thinking approach to stuff, and which I do think has some value. But my experience is when I felt down. I try and think positively it doesn't really often work for me it kind of reinforces how bad i feel so that that's why i'm so keen just going back to what we were talking about earlier we actually have to deal with what's there so if i'm feeling mm. if i'm struggling or feeling down i have to deal with what's there work with that be with that and then find my way out into the you know the creative brain which is what i was talking about a lot when we when we met you know this contrast between the survival brain which is all about keeping us safe 
versus the creative brain, which is about connection and drawing and these sorts of things. We want to find ways to move into that. That's really what we want to do. Yeah, yeah. love that. Great. I love that. Yeah. And um, so before we continue, if you wouldn't mind, Simon, yes. um, as we're talking all about wellness, maybe we could all together take a moment, um, if you wouldn't mind leading us, and just do a one minute or a two minute meditation or a mindfulness breathing or something like that. I know we did that with you last time we met and we all find it really calming. Yeah, sure. Okay, so. And our um, listeners, of course, can join in. Yes, of course. And make sure you're firstly, do make sure you're somewhere where this is safe and comfortable for you to do this, you know, because yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's not the right time. Uh, and particularly if you, you can close your eyes if you would like to. Obviously, make sure you're in a place where that's okay to do that. And just take a moment to let yourself be present with your body, if that's comfortable for you, as, as far as it's comfortable for you. And then become aware of the places where your body is contacting the seat or the bed or the floor. And just notice the sensations there. Your mind may drift, when it does, or if it does, just notice that and bring it back to the sensation. And now, taking both hands, place the fingers at the top of your forehead, and you're going to slowly and gently let your fingers come down the top of your forehead noticing the physical sensations as you do that. Coming to rest for a moment at your eyebrows. And then your nose. Continuing down, you cup your jaw, and again, just noticing the sensations there. Noticing if your mind has wandered and bringing it back. And now bring your hands away, and taking your thumb and your first finger of one hand, rubbing the fingertip and thumb tip together, with such a tension that you can feel the ridges in your fingertips. And now letting go of that Becoming aware once more of the places where your body is contacting the surface you're resting on, the chair or the bed, the floor. Just noticing the sensations there. Now bringing your awareness to the sounds in the space where you are. 
maybe sounds from the outside in the room in which you're in. It may be your own breathing, maybe the sound of my voice, just noticing the quality of the sounds. And in your own time, slowly opening your eyes and taking a look around the space that you're in. Look at three or four or five objects and just see them, noticing what they look like, the colors, the way the light is reflecting. And we'll bring it to a close there. Wow, that was great, Simon. <laughs> I, I don't know what you think, Georgie. It's, it feels... I went to a different dimension. <laughs> Are you back? I'm back. You back and better than ever. Back? Thank you so yeah. much. So, Simon, uh, sorry. Yeah. Go, go, feel free. Go, Simon. No, no, go, go with what you're Okay. No, because it was so great. Do you have any ideas of, for listeners, how they can implement meditation like you did in their routines? into their routines? Uh, well, I mean, there, there's the, the, the things that we just did are very specific. And they're very specifically bringing you back into contact with your body and your felt sense. There are lots of meditations which use the imagination. I feel that the most useful, the, the place where we get the most um, sounds like a terrible way to put it but the most return on the energy we put in there's the most benefit is this kind of meditation where we are I mean, you can do it you can do it with breath some people don't do well with breath because it can feel like it intensifies anxiety but anything that you focus on which is physical with your full attention that is the thing which actually brings us out of the internal mental space which is very often where people are caught up um, how one brings it into one's day is you've got to find a way to make it interesting to do it regularly. It's the regularity which makes the big difference. It's not even, I don't think, the length of time so much. But if you do something every day, Einstein, I think, famously said you could ma master anything if you spent 15 minutes a day doing it. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. But, you know, there is something about the regularity of this practice. And what it does is when you do it regularly, it changes the, the wiring in the brain. And I don't know what you think, Simon or Georgie. Um, it's, it's meditation is not just about sitting and, you know, just think, just closing your eyes. You can even do it on a walk. I don't know if you tried, but just walking and just being with yourself, being in tune with your body and just feeling, you know, in the queue at the grocery shop. This can be, yeah. I mean, there, there's an old thing from Taoism, which is uh, it's something like before enlightenment, chopping wood, carrying water. After enlightenment, chopping water. <laughs> it's like you just are present mm. with what you're doing. And I think one of the things which is a big struggle for, for me and for a lot of people is that a lot of our lives are very, very cerebral. 
Yes. You know, they're very, very, we're very disconnected. And so yeah. bringing ourselves back regularly, like you say, in the queue of a shop, or for me, noticing what it actually, what the water feels like when I'm washing, doing the washing up. You know, what it actually feels like, what the shape of the plate feels like. That sort of thing really grounds me back here in the present. Helps to take me out of that mental, emotional space, which I may be stuck in. So I think that that's a wonderful way to do it. And yes, you can do really Thank you. Thank you, Simon. It's very insightful. We love hearing your thoughts on this because we're passionate about this subject. At, at the fashion clinic, you know, Simon, many of our listeners are creatives and when you did a talk with your with our class, you mentioned that our creative side is connected to our joy. A lot of people might be struggling with finding inspiration in these lockdown times. Do you have any suggestion about reconnected with our creativity? Yes, for me, there's, there's two threads to what you said. One is that this creative side is connected to joy and ease and all these things. And at the same time, we have to still do stuff if we're not in touch with that. So, you know, if I'm not in a good space, if a person's not in a good space, that doesn't mean you can't be creative. You know, this is why I really want to make it okay to have difficult states. It's just, we want to be connected to, to our wise. So, sorry, to, to, to that creative side. So that said, um, I think it's really helpful to explore, get to know much better what you really care about. That's one thing. You know, what a person really cares about. If I'm doing stuff which is in line with that, then my sense of self-esteem, my sense of creativity, my sense of vitality goes up. Similarly, if we find what really makes us feel good, you know, it is that simple. Like it's stuff that really makes us feel good is useful, you know, because it takes us into the same creative place. And then finding out about our why, again, that's a version of, what we care about, but what, what is really important to us. All of these things start to engage the creative brain more. You know, if and I'm, Simon, if not, yeah. maybe you could tell us about your why. Yeah, sure. My, yes. my, yeah. Thank you. What a lovely offer. So <laughs> we've already kind of heard about it because um, what I found in the different modalities that I did was that it's uh, of, of treatment, is that the one thing which made the biggest difference is this shift a person has from feeling overwhelmed, whatever the cause is, to feeling that they have agency. That's it, this shift. And it happens on the big level of our lives, but it also happens in our small level of our day-to-day. -day. And so from the dream work, I got to know that transformation very well and it goes much bigger than we think it does. It goes much, much further. And that's where that spark is in that moment of that aha moment. So my why is really that I want to embody that more in my life because what I've seen for myself is that my level of joy, my level of fulfillment, my ability to handle different situations have all grown and grown and grown and grown. Um, and I love doing that work with people. So, you know, it's kind of like I get, to <laughs> I get to sort of be engaged with this the whole time. And I find it fascinating, you know, how this, how these parts of us come up that get in the way. It's extraordinary. 
And this dynamic of, uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you've come across this before, but this, when we get in touch with what we really care about, one of the things that often happens, what really is important to us, what is really creative, is some resistance to it. And it might come in, in, in the form of procrastination, or it might come in the form of loss of focus, or I've suddenly got so many things to do, or all this sort of stuff. They come up. Why does that happen? It's because of this dynamic between the creative brain, the survival brain. And so for me to be working with people around this stuff, I get to know it even better in myself and just see this play the whole time between these things. So that's kind of my, that's kind of my, my thing. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, especially to hear that because a lot of people, you know, today in today's world, they're stuck, you know, they feel stuck, they feel trapped into doing things that they don't necessarily feel aligned with. And it's important to shine a light on that because, yeah, it, 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 it creates confusion in our brain and we forget mm. what we really want, our true needs. Yeah. And fashion is a famously tough industry, as you know, Simon. Uh, at the fashion clinic, one of our focuses is on mental wellness. A big part of our emotional self-care can be identify, identifying, pardon, <laughs> identifying and communicating our needs. In terms of people working in pressure jobs in fashion and working on their own business, do you have any thoughts on building wellness and balance into our lives? <clears throat> well, I, 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 I suppose that the, the, uh, I'm constantly about finding the simplest way to do things. And so I'm, I'm sorry, this is going to sound a bit like a repeat, perhaps, of what, what I said before. But really, if a person is grounded in the present moment, in their skin, like here, that is the best way to have a regulated nervous system. Mm -hmm. Right. So when there's a demand from a stressful job or with working with very, very difficult people, the way to protect oneself and to keep oneself healthy is actually to be in touch with that as far as one can be. Then if you connect that to having this strong why, it also it acts like a buffer. I can do this for longer because I know this is my next stepping stone or while I'm in this job where there is this challenge, what can I train in myself? Mm. What can I train in myself? What skill can I train in myself that's actually going to serve me further down the line? And that takes it out of that kind of really stuck place, mm. brings it more into now so that I can actually make that shift from overwhelmed to agency, which I was talking about earlier, in this small situation, which may not change for a while. You know, that's the thing with the, the real difficulty, I think, one of the really challenging bits about the lockdown in, say, London, when's it going to end? It's that uncertainty, how to manage that. So the tendency is to crash in the face of that. And that could be the same in a job with a very difficult boss, very difficult work environment. The tendency can be to crash and say, what's wrong? What, why can't? If one is can find the resources to go, well, actually, how can I make this serve me in my greater picture? Then there's a connection again to that strength that we have. So I, I don't know if that's... Does that of course, of course. It's like we have a choice, you know? 
how do we deal with this situation you yeah. either complain with something you have no control of yeah. sometimes it seems easier to say you know but it's yeah we, we have control to be positive and to try to work on to make the best out of this situation and i love what you said thank you simon yeah very fascinating and um, i think in such uncertain times everyone wants a bit of control and um so finding a way to do that is i mean it's it's really important it's seminal really for all of us isn't it um simon for our next question maybe we'll take it a little deeper and we'll ask we know that so many people are kind of struggling at the moment and it's likely that a lot of people are finding this lockdown the hardest lockdown that we've had and um, after Christmas is usually a tough time anyway. Um, we were wondering, do you have any advice um, for any of our listeners or anyone who is, you know, really struggling or if they need to help someone who they know someone close to them is really having a hard time? Do you have any thoughts on that? The, um, the, the, the best way to help someone that I know is to be as regulated as I can be. As, in, in as cool state as I can be. And the, the reason for that is that the better state I'm in, it communicates through my body language. It communicates through, I don't know, the space in between my words or whatever. And so the number one thing is really, as far as I, I'm concerned, is to get myself into the best state I can. And then just being with me is better for a person or being with you is better for a person and you, you you'll probably have had this experience of going to somebody when you've been upset and they've been in a state themselves and it feels terrible you know i'm sure you've had that experience yes. I, I certainly have you know unfortunately so, yes <laughs> it's a disaster. So, and then you've had the experience of going to somebody and you talk to them and they're really present with you and they're able to hear you as you are without telling you to trying to fix you or mm. telling you how things should be or any of these other things they're just able to be with you so that's that's the number one thing and then the the related to this is um humans are social species social species like i was saying at the beginning and this lockdown isolation it really really is so whenever a person is in difficulty the tendency is to pull back away from contact that's what they do yeah mm. that's what i do that's what we do you know it's, mm. and it's there is actually a physio physiological explanation for this why, why we tend to do that it's a there is a reason you know to, to do that but what actually makes the difference is when we connect to somebody and so if you do know somebody who is struggling then that moment that you take to actually connect to them in their day could be a really really big deal really big deal similarly if you're struggling or let me say i am struggling if i have somebody who i can connect to who is in the more regulated space you know somebody with some kindness some resources to offer that also is likely to lift me and of course that doesn't have to be a healing thing. That's just somebody who you can chat and have a laugh with or share some activity, you know, share some shared interest and actually connect over that because that can pull us out of those difficult states. 
Um, so those are the so, so those are the two real things for me. And then, if you can, I'm a big fan of getting help. Mm. If there is some way you can get some professional help for it, because it's different to friends. You know, the the person hopefully that you might see is trained and knows how to work with the challenges, and they have in addition to a knowledge of the landscape, they hopefully have the internal skills to help you. They're distant from you, so you don't have that interpersonal thing going on. Um, so if there are the resources available, that's also great. Fantastic, I love that. And I think, um, I, I love what you said a moment ago, just before this question about how, if we can look at these uncertain times and kind of find a way for them to serve us or for us to look at that challenge and build a new skill, maybe a new skill that we can all, we can all start to build a bit is really being present and there for others and, and keeping an eye out for each other, which um, hopefully is going to be really worthwhile and really necessary. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, for, for most people, actually it feels really good doing mm. something kind for somebody else, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. You know, there are some who, for whom it's not the, <laughs> not the case, you know, who get the yeah. in other ways. But yeah. well, the, I mean, I, I remember reading, a, I can't remember who said it, but an article by somebody who said, the, the, the world goes round, you know, continues because of the small actions of the nice people. And there are a lot of them. You mm -hmm. know, there are a lot of kind people. Like it's vastly majority of people are actually yeah. kind and warm and generous. And, you know, <clears throat> just in those moments of feeling stuck, to actually realize that and to do some kind of small act of kindness towards somebody else really does switch that feeling of um, being completely overtaken by this situation. It's a wonderful way to make it serve us, if you know what I mean. I like that, Simon, because when we're depressed, yeah. we tend to think we're worthless. We cannot do anything. When you do something to, for someone else, it seems, kind of self, it seems kind of selfish, but it's actually a win-win situation, you know? You make someone mm -hmm. else feel good, and you yeah. feel good yourself. It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. And yeah. Yeah. And, it's a little and just life hack. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. And coming back to what you said, Simon, that there's a lot of kind people. I do believe that even the people that are not seen maybe as kind, they're all, we are all kind humans. We're all kind kind creatures it's just that when someone is feeling maybe it's mean being mean to it to someone to to us maybe they they're having some internal demons you know they're they're having some traumas to deal with and they're feeling bad with themselves so yes just think twice before if we we should think twice if someone is kind or not yeah simon um that was really great hearing listening to you georgie and i are passionate we could listen mm. to you for hours <laughs> do you have any advice for us um any books you would recommend for our listeners uh yeah um the, well i mean there are lots i think there's there's two two books which spring to mind for me, one is by the author Deb Dana, and um, oh, I can't remember the title of it. 
she's a, she's a, a a therapist who writes about the, something called polyvagal theory, which is by somebody called Stephen Porges, and it's really how we manage about how we manage our state, and she's the originator of this wonderful expression story follows state which is that how i'm feeling mm -hmm. i will make up a story which matches how i'm feeling so if i'm if i'm feeling terrible and down about myself i will look at what's been happening and make up a story which justifies my state mm. if you actually really get to know that then one day help to work on the state i.e how we're feeling and then the story shifts on its own. So this book by, De I think it's called The Polyvagal Theory in Clinical Therapy by Deb Dang. We can put the link in the, in the bio. It is a bit, yeah. okay, it is a bit of a technical, um, technical uh, book slightly. I mean, she's a wonderful, simple writer, but you can check out her YouTube videos and fascinating. And then the other one is probably by somebody called Shirzad Shamin. And this is somebody who came into my life around six months ago. He's a coach, an executive coach for business people. His book is called Positive Intelligence, I think. And he, his approach to mental fitness, I, it's just like so much of it was what I was doing already, but his messaging, his way of explaining it is just wonderful. And to the extent that I actually run one of his uh, six-week trainings now um, it's just which gives a way into his 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 work his method I just think is the it's it doesn't answer everything but it really does give you very very strong framework to actually deal with these internal states and to get into that creative side of your being so those those would be my probably my top two picks of books Perfect. Thank you, Simon. And do you have any podcast recommendation? Because I know that many of our listeners like to listen to podcasts. Do you know, yeah, I, any, I, any advice for the... Sorry, you go ahead. Well, no, <laughs> I was just <laughs> going to say, I, I actually, I'm not a fan of podcasts. It's a very... I know, I'm ah. sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize, Simon. But, we but we I like... Just, I just, I just, I don't know what it is. I just have not actually ever got into listening to podcasts so i can't help you there okay with that. yeah um but there is also i mean if somebody is struggling then um i think the work of somebody called peter levine is also very beautiful is another writer and practitioner and his his just his healing work but that's that again is that's the Shia Zachamin stuff is very, very usable. You can put it into your life quite quickly. Mm -hmm. The Deb Dana stuff is a beautiful map to what we are ex experiencing and why, how it comes about and how to, like it shows you a landscape of it, very, very simple. So it's very useful for knowing where we are and, and stopping feeling like things are my fault. I feel this way because mm -hmm. there's something wrong with me. No. It's not true. You feel the way you do because of the conditioning that you've had. You have this place where you can actually make a decision about how you engage with it. So her book is wonderful for that. And Peter Levine is just this beautiful explanation of trauma and um, how that works in the body. So it's not necessarily for everybody that one, but it's beautiful.
I am fascinated about trauma healing and yeah, mm-hmm. because it made us realize that it's not our fault, as you said. We tend yeah. to think it's our fault. And I was talking with this with Georgia as well, that we are very empathetic persons and we tend to think it's, we take the blame on us, you know, every time. Yeah. Yes. And, and uh, you know, there are, there are things for which it is my fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That, and I can deal with that and I can learn from it and then that's it. Yes. You know, yeah. I don't have to, and I don't have to sort of feel that everything <laughs> is on my shoulders. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's just not, doesn't serve anybody. Really. It gets in the way of relationships, it gets in the way of performance. You know, and, and you're talking about the, earlier about the fashion industry. If I'm in there feeling like that, taking the blame for everything, it's going to be very hard to carve out a niche, you know, a space for myself. You know, if I can let a terrible boss be a terrible boss, then I leave it with them, to some degree, at least. Mm. It's yes. like a kind of self-care, really. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Simon. You're welcome. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to share about this subject, which I just absolutely love. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great to hear from you. And it's great to hear everything that um, you've been working on. We'll definitely share the details of those books, because um, I think a lot of people, even our um, contacts in LCF who um, uh, listen to your talk, a lot of people are interested in developing their mental fitness. And it is very needed. So people are interested in doing the extra bit of work. Maybe for a final question, I could ask you, um, is there anything you're working on at the moment? I know we're all on a on a life journey. What what do you find? Is there anything that fascinates you at the moment, or that you personally are, are working on? I know I'm working on a trying to meditate every twice a day, but it's a it's <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So the the thing I actually the, without sounding too esoteric. The thing I'm absolutely fascinated by at the moment is the space beyond thinking. Right? Mm. So this is an experience. Okay, I'm saying this, to me, I'm saying the same thing because this is the, where the create. If you look, if you think of a moment, okay, let's do something very quickly. We'll see if it works. It might not. Okay, pretend you can remember the time that you first tied up your shoelace yourself. Right. Okay, can, have you got it? Can you sort of get in touch with something of that? I think I have it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so can you, now, now tell me how your mind feels and how your body feels in that moment. Satisfied and strong. Mm-hmm. How about you, Margaret? I would say um, calm and this sense of achievement, yeah. Okay, and would you say that your thinking is more quiet than usual or louder? Quiet. Yeah, Yeah, focused and calm. Okay, so this is a natural state of creativity. You you can stop. I mean, you don't have to stop, but you can. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's, that's a natural arising of a state of creativity, right? And in that moment, what happens is thinking disappears. Right, so I'm really interested in that state because rather like Steven Spielberg, he's got this wonderful quote, which is about how 
the ideas for his best films come in whispers. Beautiful. In whispers, whereas our thinking is like shouting the whole time. It shouts. And so I, I'm really interested in that place because how is it? And you could say it's based in the brain, which is fine. I don't, I, I don't really mind about the theoretical bit, but the actual experience of it is that our best ideas arise from somewhere outside of mm -hmm. our thinking. That's the experience. And so that's the bit I'm really fascinated in, how I can bring that into my day. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I get irritated, angry, upset, frustrated, <laughs> down, all the things. And, you know, for me, that's my fascination, how I can actually work with those things that come up so that I have more of an experience of this in my life. And my conversations are better, my relationships are better, my wife, you know, all, all of these things get nourished. And the thing you said about strength, Georgia, in the Kashmir Shavers and texts, they talk about this place as being where inner strength comes from. It's actually specifically those words, inner strength, that they, that they talk about. So you've just had a di direct experience knowing nothing about Kashmir Shavers and exactly <laughs> is what it's fascinating fascinating that's beautiful what what a what a perfect way to end and thank you so much for all of your insights and for all the work you do because you're really benefiting a lot of people you've benefited our class at london college of fashion and university of arts london and and your work is really now more important than ever um, in the in these times that we're living in so we really appreciate it um, and maybe we'll wrap it up there. Especially for the future generation, you're doing yeah. immense, immense thing for the future generation. So we're thankful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. It's been lovely being here today with you. Really. Amazing. Great. And that's all from the fashion clinic. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.